If you're just joining us, you're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and I'm talking with Bill Neiman, founder and operations director of Native American Seed. And Bill, you were just telling us about a really difficult point in your life, but, but it was also an important turning point when there was uh, a water shortage and all the conventional landscaping that you had been installing for customers was turning brown, was dying. Uh, And all of this had been using non-native shrubs and trees, which were just not meant for our soils, for our climate, for the water conditions. But then, on the way home one day, something good happened. You noticed something in the landscape that turned the lights on. My trees were dying. I had customers call me crying. And in a certain way, implying a a measure of blame that they couldn't water their landscapes because of the water ban. And what had I done? Well, here's the point. On my way home from Flower Mound to Argyle is about a, it was probably 12 mile drive. In the heat of that summer at six in the afternoon, Peak temperature, 100 degrees, 100 days, no rain, and I'm leaving the, the ground zero and going in the direction of more country. And lo and behold, on my drive home every day, there are plants out in the pastures and the woodland edges that are thriving. They're doing fine. They're green, some of them blooming. They're not wilted. They're not dying or dead and there nobody is out there irrigating them so that's what caught my attention to look at the native plants that have evolved here these these droughts are very common it turns out as we now have learned as a people and in fact it's normal what's odd is that we think we're exempt from it and that The odd thing is that we bring all this plant material from Timbuktu and then we want to force it into nature to conform conform to what our perspective is of nature and or of beauty. As years and years and years and years have gone by, One thing that really sticks in my mind that I use over and over, sometimes I feel like almost every day there's a good example to use this that an old rancher taught me. He's one of those guys, Nall Ward, that I believe, I I haven't met, I don't know if he might be the only one I've ever met that was You've seen that bumper sticker where ranchers were the first true environmentalists. You ever see that Mm -mm. bumper sticker? No. Well, that's when there's been so much of us against them where the green folks in Austin would be against the ranchers in West Texas or whatever. But this particular old rancher, Nall Ward, he taught me something that is so darn useful. Form follows function. It's not about aesthetics. Aesthetics 
has to come as a second priority. Does it work? Tell me about how Native American seed is part of the solution. Well, we offer alternatives to that all-American landscape paradigm that is so toxic and so unsustainable. And each person has the opportunity to participate and enjoy the benefits and experience the, it's, it's like freedom and learning and the curiosity and you can never know all of there is that needs to be known. There's a lot of mysteries. Not all of the mysteries are meant to be solved. Right. And it's so, not really a high-tech thing. I only went to the 11th grade. It's very simple. I think, in fact, most of us know better when we're three years old. We know what the rules are of living. Young, young people, they know that. They know the rules. So it's a matter of control. We want, to, as humans, we, when we get older, we want to control things around us. Well, that's what I always, I, I kind of quit using the word landscape and landscaping, but I like to look at the land as a whole and my home as a whole, and maybe a better way for me, at least, is outdoor living space. And it's about, you know, small acts of self-restraint. And, but the word landscaping, it connotates human control. Yeah, it is. It's completely that. Yeah. So, but, but let's go back to Native American seed and, and what, what kinds of uh, things do you offer people that where they can... Well, help we, the landscape. We, the landscape. We've spent so a speak. lifetime and been around the whole gamut. I ran that nursery for 18 years. I made all, all those mistakes for a very, very long time. I have put out I don't know how many diesel truckloads of alien sod turf grasses. I don't know how many literally tons of fertilizer that I have spread and or offered for sale to others to spread. And then the horror of all of the, the chemical work that goes with that. But still, the water. Each native plant produces seeds, and within those seeds is contained all the information that they need to know how to survive right here with absolutely no care. They evolved here. So this whole thing about lawn maintenance and watering and irrigating and fertilizing and bugs and all of that, it is a relatively new thing that we have created basically for market purposes. Why is it that we know more about Bermuda grass than any other grass in the world? Can you imagine how much money is wrapped up in this whole thing called the lawn? When you got Rainbird, you've got Toro, you've got John Deere now. Yeah. And all the water that goes into maintaining. The cities actually 
when they have water, they certainly enjoy selling it. Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I I have to say, I, I at one time in my life did have a small lawn. Never had a big lawn, but um, I, I really don't, I mean, having to come to understand a whole lot more about nature, it just doesn't make sense. Now, when I look at lawns, I'm just shocked it's like why yeah i think that it that we're at a at a point that we're approaching a cusp where we can pivot away from that old paradigm and we can reprioritize what it is that we think looks good and we can learn about adopting that old rancher's model that form follows function I think uh, what Native American seed has to offer is solutions to common day landscaping problems where we have been so immersed in the aspects of land management on the most smallest scale of a, of a, of a home site setting to very large scale uh, thousands of acres of wildlife habitat. And how do you put the elements back into play that tries to bring that balance or that putting it back like it was aspect? For those that do find themselves in a city or in the country with the awesome responsibility that goes with land ownership, I highly recommend that people, if they are new landowners from a city that have never really experienced owning a larger scale property than a city lot, please slow down, take time, four seasons to go around and watch what you have. You may have purchased your land because of its beauty. You certainly don't want to have regrets later on that you altered the whole reason why you purchased your land only to find that you made it look just like Dallas or Houston. That's a good point. So, so as an individual, that what you recommend is, but well, but what if you're buying in a, in a suburb where it's already been landscaped and there you are? I would start trying to uh, analyze the components of the landscape and break them down, become uh, 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 at least on a cursory level able to identify the plants that I now own. One of the best ways I found for learning, particularly natives, but I also learned a lot of alien plants too, is I quit mowing and I wouldn't cut anything unless I knew I could identify it. Well, gee, I got a really good, long, and keep it really sharp machete. And I learned this by traveling in other countries that where they don't have lawnmowers. In fact, they don't even have John Deere tractors out in big pastures and people are cutting with by hand 
And it's a much more peaceful way to kind of, uh, you can actually sculpt. Mm -hmm. I remember at my house in Argyle for years and years, here I am a nurseryman and a landscape designer, and we had the power to build these amazing uh, landscapes. And on the west side of my house was our kitchen window, and I needed a shade tree there. And for years and years and years, I kept trying to plant a tree to get this shade. And it, they kept dying. They kept dying. I couldn't ever get one to grow there. And finally, I came across this whole thing about, okay, i got to learn more about native plants. And I was really kind of trying to learn the grasses and the wildflowers. So I quit mowing. And of course, my last attempt of planting this shade tree never did make. But I'm down here with my machete, and lo and behold, there are hundreds of cedar elm trees were sprouting that I've been mowing for years. So I backed off, and I mean, they just woofed. And within 36 months, I had like a little forest there of everything I'd always been wanting. I had been mowing it down. So land is really resilient. Plants are resilient. They want to live. Yeah, that, that's a great story. You know, Bill has many great stories with the overriding message that I think is very important, and that is take care of the land. Treat it with respect. Learn all you can about it and about the natural processes that keep it whole and sustainable. I'd love to hear from you, so please send any comments or suggestions you have for future shows to me at gardentoad at vcs.com. That's gardentoad, one word, at vcyes.com. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth. Mm-hmm.